Good morning and welcome to our services this morning. Uh, one, at one of our recent board meetings, Pastor, Pastor Bob informed us that both he and Pastor Tony would be away November the 4th, Sunday. That's today. I looked at him and I said, you know, that could be dangerous. You let us on our own. And he made no remark to change his vacation, so here we are. Welcome to our service this morning. <clears throat> uh, I want to express appreciation for anyone visiting this morning. If you're here for the first time, I'd invite you to fill out one of the visitor's cards. You'll find that in the hymn rack behind, uh, in front of you. And also, if you stop out in the foyer before you leave this morning, there will be someone there at what we call the visitor's center to give you a gift. And it won't be one of those chintzy little pens either. It's, it's, it's a nice gift that I think you'll appreciate. So if you're here for the very first time, please stop and pick up your, your gift and uh, let a, card, a visitor's card in, the, in either one of the offering boxes at the door or hand it to somebody else. It looks, somebody looks important around here. <coughs> so uh, we invite you back too if you're a visitor. Of course, we want you to return you're welcome anytime. Uh, it's always in your bulletin. It has been in there for a nice couple months, but uh, there's at 8.30 in the morning here in the basement, there's several of the men that get together to pray for our nation. <coughs> and I think especially at this time of year <coughs> with the elections coming up on Tuesday that it's very important that we pray for our nation. And uh, please, whatever you do, vote this year because it seems as though our nation is at a point where it could be uh, a turning point in the way we our government operates <clears throat> so uh, don't don't forget to pray I have my bulletin all marked up here so I'll have to uh, read what I have marked the point says <clears throat> if you're interested in furnishing a poinsettia for the Christmas holidays and you would like for them to be in honor of a person or persons, there's forms out in the bulletin for you to fill out and then give them to Deb Markle, our secretary, and also a check. And the checks are to be made out to Word of Life Chapel for those poinsettias. <coughs> uh, Good Samaritan's Purse. We uh, have, uh, the board has decided for the month of November that we would have the white church out for that worthy cause because of the devastation from the storms in the south we feel that we would like to be a part of the helping that those people out down there so that'll be for the whole month of november starting this morning the, the white church is out there now <clears throat> i have to look at my notes here and i'll forget something probably uh, there will be no prayer meeting or youth group tonight because the two pastors are away. So that uh, that's in your bulletin. I think that's about all I need to remind you of this morning. Uh, you have the bulletin, take it along with you and uh, use it as a guide to remember the different things that are happening here at the church. Father, we thank you for the privilege and opportunity we have of gathering together once more to study your word and worship you because you alone are worthy of worship. We pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would guide and direct and we would be obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Again, we thank you for this privilege and opportunity and we'd be careful to give you the praise for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The choir comes now to minister.
Let's stand up, step out, turn around, shake a hand, welcome those around you to our service this morning. Before you start sitting down, uh, keep on standing here as we continue to worship our Savior this morning.
Pete, would it be possible to put the words to that last song we sang up there and we'll, we'll open our prayer time with that. We'll all pray that together. That is a prayer.
that is. <clears throat> Let's look to the word, Lord in a word of prayer this morning before we begin our message. Father, we do come to you with grateful hearts. We thank you for the privilege and opportunity we have of gathering together here once more to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the one alone who is worthy of worship. Father, we pray that the Holy Spirit would guide and direct us this morning, that we'd be obedient to the leading of that spirit. We thank you, Father, that we can come directly into your throne room through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So now we've come to you, Lord. We pray that your will would be done in everything we do and say here this morning. Father, again, we want to remember our nation, our leaders. We pray, Lord, that you would guide and direct in everything that is done this week at the, at the polls where we vote. We thank you, Lord, that we live in a nation where we have this privilege. We realize that many nations, many countries, many people wish for this same type of ministry. So, Father, we thank you for our nation. We thank you for our leaders, but we want to pray especially for them this morning. And, Lord, we realize that there are many among us who are ill, cannot be with us this morning. So we pray, Lord, that you would suit a blessing to each need. We pray, Lord, that you would uplift them health-wise and spiritually, comfort their hearts. Some who are suffering bereavement or loss of loved ones, we pray, Lord, that you would comfort their hearts. So, Father, we pray that uh, you would guide and direct in our service this morning. We thank you for the, the one who's come to minister with us, Brother Bush. So, Father, we pray especially for him as he has words that we would have us to hear. Father, we pray that we would have open receptive hearts to your word this morning. Again, we pray, Lord, that you would guide and direct us, and we'd be careful to give you the praise, for it's in Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. I invite you to take your hymn book now and turn with me to hymn number 32, How Great Thou Art. I ask you to stand with me as we sing this together, and then those in junior church can be dismissed. Hymn number 32. Savior God. 
Thank you, and you may be seated. <clears throat> it's my privilege this morning to welcome our <clears throat> guest speaker with us this morning. It's the Bushes, and uh, they've been serving the Lord <clears throat> many year, for many years, mostly in Africa. What country was it? Kenya, Tanzania. Okay, I, I tried to think of that this morning, but couldn't. <clears throat> they served the Lord many years in Africa. They're located now in Lebanon, and that's Lebanon, Pennsylvania, not the country, but they're still serving with uh, Gospel Furthering Fellowship. And we welcome them to our service, and Brother Bush, you come now and share with us what the Lord has laid on your heart. <clears throat> okay. I was going to help him down, but that's fine. <laughs> You're older than I am, Leonard. Sorry. Right. I don't know about that. Someone is changing the height of these steps. <laughs> it, it, it continues to get higher. I have a trail camera, and one of these days I'm going to turn it up. This is what he's doing. Okay, you do that. <laughs> I notice mine and home are getting higher, too. But anyway, that's, that's another matter. On a more serious note, I do want to thank you for many years of support. Uh, we first came to Word of Life in 1980. It's hard to believe, but it was then. And at that point, this building that we're sta or sitting and standing in didn't exist. Uh, we were still meeting in the other little thing over there that we're now using for Sunday school rooms and other areas. And it was packed. And eventually, of course, it became too packed. And we, by the grace of God, built this. But by that time, I was going on to Africa. We left for Africa and May of 1983, came home in April of 1995, and we've been home ever since. We go back to Africa from time to time, and we rejoice in what we've seen, and we wish that we, frankly, were able to go back there and stay. It was our dream, actually, when we came home in 1995, that once we got to the age of 65, and I'm not going to tell you when that was, but it was a while ago, okay, uh, we would be able to return. That was our desire. We really thought that, you know, we would be able to turn the ministry over to someone else and go back, but... Unfortunately, health issues have prohibited that from happening. We, uh, they just don't know what Rosai Dorfman is out there in, in Africa. And, of course, that's not unusual because nobody else here knows what it is either. You say, what's that? Well, it's one of Ruth's Watley collection of diseases, if you will. Um, don't worry about it. Johns Hopkins doesn't know what to do with it either. But in any case, uh, I'm very thankful that the Lord has kept us going this long. Now, we had planned, as you know, to go out to New Zealand. That trip, unfortunately, has been canceled because of, again, health. seems that the missionaries that are out there are struggling themselves. And they're young. They're only in their 60s. And they're still struggling with the health issues out there. You say, that's young? Well, it's a matter of perspective, I suppose. But we think of it as young, especially now that we're on the other side of our 60s. Uh, we're very, very grateful, though, that we are able to continue ministering. And that's my desire. I have no desire whatsoever to retire. As far as I'm concerned, that's one of the nastiest words in the lexicon, if you're well or the dictionary. Right, Leonard? Right. Okay. It's interesting, though, as, as we look around and, and see what's going on, and, and I'm intrigued by what I'm hearing and reading about our young, younger group. They are called the Millennials. They seem to have a different idea of what freedom is. Now, we've got an election coming up, and it seems like there's going to be some some real stark, real obvious choices that have to be made. And some people are discussing this matter of what is, what is freedom. They have the idea, for instance, that freedom is, um, you know, I don't have to pay for anything. Hey, that sounds great. Now, a full disclosure here, I don't have to pay for anything. Yes, I do. But <laughs> I'm a veteran, as many of you know. And so I get my health care basically free. I live four minutes from one of the largest VA centers in, in all, of East, uh, all of eastern Pennsylvania, that's in Lebanon, and uh, I, I go there for my health care, and it's basically free. Now, I pay $9 for each prescription I get, although with, I also have health insurance, and so on top of that, and Medicare, most of my medicine is free, too. So I, I guess I could argue, socialism is great! But you'd probably boo me off the stage, and, and you should, by the way. Uh, socialism is not great. As the late Margaret Thatcher put it, uh, socialism is great and works great until you run out of other people's money. And that's the problem with it, isn't it? Uh, people love for other people to pay their bills. Medicare, I've got it. 
Insurance, I've got it. The VA, I have it, okay. So you say, we're free, right? No, we're not really free unless we find true freedom, which is in Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to take you to an odd place this morning, and that's in the book of Psalms. Psalm 119. I want to pick up in Psalm 119, verse 41, if I may. Now, you remember, Psalm 119 is an acrostic. That is to say, each section of eight verses starts with a different Hebrew letter. And it may have, in your uh, Bible, depending on what translation you're using, it may have the particular Hebrew letter that's here. In mine, in the King James, which is what I'm using, it says, wow, W-A-W. And that's what it is. It's also called a vav sometimes, but uh, I won't trouble you with the Hebrew. But the point is, the author is making, is that we have to walk in the freedom that God gives us. You say, what freedom is that? I'm free. I'm, I'm an American. I, I've got freedom. No, you really don't, unless you're found in Christ. You really don't have freedom. Why do you say I don't have freedom? Well, first of all, point number one, you're not free to seek the Lord unless you know Him. You're not free to seek the Lord unless you know Him. You, know, you say, well, we're free to find God. We, we came to church this morning. Hey, everything's cool. No, it's not. Let's read. Psalm 119, verse 41. And as I said, I'm reading from the King James. And I realize a lot of you are not using that, so I consulted other translations as well. But he says here, let thy mercies come also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation according to thy word. So shall I have with, wherewith to answer him that reproaches me, for I trust in thy word. Notice, if you will, salvation comes from what? It comes from the word of God. That's how we find out what we need to know about God. You won't find it any other place. It's not written in the stars. It's not written in the you know, sky writing or something like that. It is written in the Word of God. That's where we get it. People are talking today about all kinds of, to me, spurious or foolish revelation that they're getting from all kinds of other places. They're reading what I don't know. Things that, frankly, don't tell you a thing. They don't. You find what you need to know about God here in the Scriptures. By the way, there are over a hundred different English translations that I'm familiar with, and many of them are very good. But you need to get a good English translation and read it. That's the problem, not that we don't have the Word of God, it's that we don't read it. That's what the problem that people are having. But we are redeemed by the mercy of God, as he says here, let thy mercies. Now I know in NIV it says unfailing love. It's the Hebrew word kesed, which is an interesting word in and of itself. Difficult to translate, and I'm not going to get into that this morning, but what, is, what the point is here, especially to a Hebrew, is that God has made an offer, as it were. Mercy is there. If you're a Hebrew, that is in the covenant, and this is sometimes translated here as covenant loyalty or mercy. God has made the offer, but you and I have to take it. The fact of the matter is, as we very well know, Jesus Christ came. He lived a perfect life. He died the death of, a, of the worst sinner, if you will. Paid the price for our sin with his blood. That's a fact. Can't get around it. It's a fact. And the fact of the matter is, and unlike you and I, in so many cases, he was raised from the dead. He was raised sinless from the dead because he died sinless. And he paid the price for our salvation. Those are biblical, uncontrovertible, incontrovertible, if you will, facts. It's a done deal. God has done it. That's his mercy to us. But the problem is, of course, a lot of the world doesn't know it. And some of those who do know it, here in the United States particularly, don't want any part of it. They say, oh, no, 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 no. But we are redeemed by the mercy of God. And as such, we're free from the shackles of sin. Say, me? I'm not shackled. Oh, yes, you are. You may not know it. What did Paul say about you and I? For I know, he says, that in me dwells every good thing. Is that what he said? Let's make a slight change there, can we? He says, I know that in me dwells what? How many good things? No good things. Nothing at all. Nothing at all, he says. Also earlier in the book of Romans, he says, all have sinned. So if you're thinking, well, I'm, I'm a pretty decent fellow, really, uh, nothing wrong with me. 
yes, there's something wrong with you, fatally wrong with you, and that is that you're a sinner. We are sinners by nature. We're sinners by practice. We do it. Nobody else does it. We do it. And that's, by the way, why socialism won't work. Because socialism depends upon the good nature of people. They say, well, everybody will work together and everything will turn out fine. Well, tell that to the Tanzanians back in the 1980s when they were all starving. You say, what? What were they doing? Well, you see, they, the government says, we're going to get together. We're going to have uh, this government socialism. Ujamaa, they called it. That's the Swahili word. But they say, we're all going to get together, we'll all cultivate together, and we'll, we'll grow our crops together, and everybody will be fine. The only problem was, <laughs> they overlooked human nature. They overlooked human nature. Because the government plot out here, where everybody was supposed to be doing weeding and all the other things that you do to grow a, grow a nice crop, it was full of weeds. And everybody had their little half acre or one acre, in some cases, that they were tending very carefully. It belonged to them and growing their own food, and the government out here with their big, big farms was producing nothing. And the people that had their little tiny plots were not producing enough to feed anybody else, and so the country was starving. The country was starving. That's socialism for you because it depends upon human nature. And you know what? Human nature is not intrinsically good. Human nature is intrinsically evil. We are not good. We're not people that have somehow been overtaken by bad luck or something else that's happened to us. Intrinsically, man is evil. That's the way it is. And that's why we need government for one reason. But we don't need socialism. No, and I'm not preaching against socialism this morning. I'm just simply pointing out that we are free only in Jesus Christ. We're freed from the shackles of sin. And he goes on to point out, if you're still in Psalm 119, that liberty, he says, is finally here at last. He says in verse 45, and I will walk in liberty. Why? For I seek thy precepts. Folks, the Christian is the most free of all people. He is the most free of all people. He can be obedient to the word of God and he can be free from his own desires. I don't have to serve sin. I don't have to be hamstrung by what I am. And I'm a sinner. That's what I am. And that's what you are too. But we're free to find God because of what he has done for us, in us, and will do through us. We're free by finding the Lord. But you say, okay, how do we, how do we go on? Well, you notice here, going back, if I may here, to verse 41, he says, Let thy mercies come unto me, come also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation according to thy word. So shall I have wherewith to answer him that approaches me, for I trust in thy word. We're free to delight in the Lord. You say, how do I fill up those hours when I'm not involved in this or that or something else? People today have a ton of leisure time. You know what? It isn't always wise to have a lot of leisure time. What I'm finding, and this is frankly distressing to me, is a lot of our younger people are saying, well, you know, we, we can do this and we can do that and we can do something else and we can, we can go to the restaurant and have a nice meal and we can have, for instance, a glass of wine. You say, what's wrong with that? Well, frankly, folks, there's a lot wrong with it. Now, I'll admit, okay, I have a vested interest here, if you will. I grew up in an alcoholic home, and so I don't like liquor. And I used to say, and I unwisely said it, that I would burn down every liquor store I saw. And then uh, we lived in an area where liquor stores started burning down, and I said, you know what, this is not a good idea. I better stop saying this. And I had, not, by the, I had nothing to do with it, okay? <laughs> nothing to do with it at all. That was not what I did. But I, I, as I listen to young, younger Christians talk about, they say, well, we're free. We can indulge in some of this stuff. We can have our glass of wine. Or if we want to smoke a joint, have a little bit of marijuana, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? Well, if you're free, you're free to serve the Lord, not your own lusts. 
And secondly, I would point out, if alcohol was wrong back in the 1960s and 1970s, if we were preaching hard against it, what's changed? Hmm? What has changed? If it was wrong then, and it was, all of a sudden, how does it become right today? I, I think that's a reasonable question. How does it become right? Folks, we are not free to serve ourselves or to serve our sin or to serve things that are questionable. Again, let me give you another illustration. Movies. When I was first saved back in the 1960s, and I know that's a long time ago, it was considered awful, just simply awful, for a Christian to go to the theater. Well, in those days, the theaters was basically pretty much all we had. We had black and white TV, or a lot of us did, and there wasn't much on it, and so on and so forth. We had a couple, three, four channels, maybe, if we were real lucky, maybe ten channels or something like that. But today, the same stuff that we're seeing in the movies is on broadcast TV, or it's on cable TV, or something like that. Folks, if the content of what we saw in the movie theater in the 1960s was, was objectionable, and much of it was, has it gotten any better? No. If the content that we saw then was not something we should be involved in, how then does it become sanctified or made holy because we watch it on television or digitally or on the computer or something like that? It doesn't. If it was wrong then, it's wrong now. And the young millennials, they're telling us, okay, it's all right to, you know, bring a little bit of this stuff in. You know, eh, who cares about an occasional glass of wine? Who cares about the movie that I watched last night on HBO or something like that or whatever is out there? I don't know. We don't watch any of that. For years, we didn't even have a television. What's wrong with that? You say, well, fine. But folks, the thing is, we are free to serve the Lord. Now, he goes on and talks about two ways that you can do that. He says, number one, I'll, well, I'll use it first. In verse 48, he says, My hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved, and will meditate in thy statutes. What's he talking about? He's talking about the matter of praying. Now, you say, well, we don't pray with our hands up. Good grief. That's Pentecostal. Really? I can find you several references right in the book of Psalms where that's exactly what they did. For instance, in Psalm 134, he talks about raising your hands in the sanctuary. Folks, that was simply a habit. There's nothing particularly spiritual about either raising your hands or not raising your hands. Either one is fine. The problem is what's in your heart. Or the issue, I should say, more correctly, is what's in your heart. It's fine if you want to do that. And while you probably would scare the pastor half to death if all of you all of a sudden raised your hands uh, while you're praying, I don't find a scriptural admonition that says you cannot do it. Nor do I find that you cannot do it even in your private prayer time. And by the way, I hope you have one. Perfectly fine. The point is, not so much your posture to pray, but the posture, if you will, of your heart. What is in your heart? And then he talks also here in verse 48 about meditation. He says, we meditate upon God, upon his works, upon his word. That's really a lot of the theme of the entire Psalm 119. Now, what does it mean to meditate? It means you take the time, 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 to think about what God has said, to pray over it, to consider it. Simply take the time to consider what God has said. What is he saying to me? Absolutely an aversion in our modern age. We want everything, don't we? Fast food, fast this, fast something else, fast prayer, and so on and so forth. Fast church. Hmm? Boy, would I get in trouble if I preached a two-hour sermon, wouldn't I? We don't have fast time with the Lord. We take the time. It's necessary. Now, I'll admit, I have an advantage. Okay, I'm a missionary. I, I get opportunity, as it were, to spend time in the Word of God. But folks, we need to carve out the time. We may have to cut out some of the fast food and the fast other things and take slow time 
to meditate on the Lord. We're free to do that. And thank the Lord here in the United States, we're still free to take the time to worship the Lord as we so choose. Most, or much, I should say, the rest of the world has real pressure on it that they cannot do that. You visited Europe recently? Agnostic place. Agnostic place. They literally don't care. They're indifferent. They're indifferent to the claims of the gospel. They don't care. They don't care. They say, okay, you want to have your religion, just shut up. Don't say anything publicly. Go to your house of worship or wherever you want to meet, but leave the rest of the society out of it. And that is what we're being pushed to in this country. Make no mistake. Those on the more liberal side don't mind if we have religion. They just don't want it in the public square. They just want us to shut up, have our meetings here, and leave it out as far as the issues of the day. Abortion? Well, you know, that's, that's a matter of your personal choice. Religion's got nothing to do with that. Really? Really? Yes, it has everything to do with it. Folks, prayer, meditation, on the truths of Scripture will teach you a great deal about how to deal with the public issues of the day. And that's the problem with many of our people, many of our conservative people. Some of them know the Lord, others I realize do not. But they are not taking the time to consider what God has said on so many of these matters. Before you go to the polls on Tuesday, think about what God would have you to do about some of these people that you may or may not be voting. And you say, well, I don't, I don't know them. Well, shame on you, shame on me if we don't. We need to know them. We need to know the issues. We need to pray. We need to meditate and see what God would have us to do in some of these issues. Because, folks, the scriptures have everything to do with social policy. You cannot leave them out. If you do so, it's at our own peril. We leave out what God has said on our social issues, things like abortion, medical, so-called medical marijuana, and things like that at our own peril. Because the scripture has something to say about what you introduce into your body as far as hallucinogens, things that distort reality. You shouldn't do it in plain, simple terms. You say, I don't know what to do about some of this stuff. I do. Don't. That's what you do. I mentioned earlier that I go to the Veterans Administration for my, my medical care. As some of you know, I've had some, some surgeries in the last number of years. For instance, in uh, 2010, I had a knee replaced. Well, I'm here to tell you the VA prescribed enough opioids to sink a battleship or so it seemed like to me. And, and furthermore, these things that they prescribed, they gave me all kinds of refills on them. And folks, I could have been stoned out of my mind for the next several years if I'd taken all the stuff that they gave me. So the VA is complicit in that. And a lot of doctors would do the same kinds of things. Now, did I have pain with the knee replacement? Of course I did. Some of you have had that. I think you did, Sarah. And you know what it's like. But you know what? It's better. It's better to endure the pain and keep the brain than to get hooked on this kind of stuff. I took, uh, what did I take, Ruth? Uh, I forgot what, what the name of the stuff was. Hmm? hydrocodone. I took two pills and I threw the stuff away. I said, man, this stuff makes me nuts. And you say, well, that's not a problem. You're already nuts. You're a missionary. Obviously, if you weren't nuts, you wouldn't be a missionary. Okay, well, point taken. But the point is, you, you just cannot pour this stuff in your, in your body, folks, and expect to serve the Lord. We take time for prayer. We take time to meditate because we're free to delight in the Lord. He has given us that freedom when he saved us, when he filled us with the Spirit of God. We are free to serve the Lord. Now, I can take you to Galatians, and I will just briefly here. Galatians chapter 5. And I'm glad we don't have a clock in here. Here's what Paul says. He says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty, the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, 
And don't be entangled. He says, don't be caught up again with the yoke of bondage. In other words, don't be caught by yourself for any law that you have made. Folks, we're not under law. We're under grace. That's the message of the book of Galatians. That does not mean, however, that we are lawless. That we don't have some restrictions. Yes, we do have restrictions. And the restriction is simply in, in one sentence. We're free to serve the Lord, but not to be caught by the things of the world. If it gets in the way of my relationship with the Lord, whether it's movies, whether it's marijuana, whatever it is, it's got to go. It's got to go. And you know what I already think of some of those issues. As I said, if it was wrong a half century ago when I got saved, it's still wrong today. Circumstances have changed. God's word is not. Let's be careful in that area. Let's take our time to pray and to meditate and seriously consider God's word provides an answer. And more than that, going back here to Psalm 119, that's where I put my Bible marker, I hope you did too. The third point I would make is that since we have the answers, then as he points out here, he says here, verse 42 of Psalm 119, I have wherewith to answer him that reproaches me. Folks, people say we need to find an answer man. Guess what? You're the answer man. You have the answer. Somebody needs to know what to do, I should do about this. Guess what? I have the answer. You have the answer. Because God has the answer. First answer, of course, is to trust Christ. First answer is to trust Christ. Then when you've done that, you can begin to devolve and to understand the principles that are laid out in God's Word. Part of the reason that we don't have answers, some of us, for some of the issues that we face is because we haven't spent enough time in the Word of God. I'll say it a little louder. We haven't spent enough time in the Word of God to find out what it says. And that's our shame. It's up to us. We are free to delight in the Lord. Salvation provides an answer. And then when we have the answer, we can speak. And you know what? We don't have to be ashamed. We don't have to be ashamed. He goes on here in Psalm 119. Verse 43 says, And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I have hoped in thy judgments, so shall I keep thy law continually forever and ever. Folks, they may draw and quarter us someday. Those of you who are alive at that point, I expect to be gone by then, but they may. But that's okay. I'm perfectly willing to die for what I believe. We almost did die several times out in Africa. Not a big deal. Why should we be afraid of death? I can't think of a single good reason. You say, well, it's going to hurt. So do knee replacements, back surgery, and some of the other things I've had. Folks, absent from the body is present with the Lord. I look forward to that day. I do. I really do. Now, as Ruth will tell you, my goal in life, as far as the living years that I have, is to just to live five minutes longer than she does. You say, why is that? Because I don't want her to be without me. Because I know she needs me. And I need her. We do. But death is nothing to be frightened of. Death is nothing to be afraid of. The psalmist was not ashamed of his testimony. He says, we've got the answers. Verse 42, we have hope. Verse 43, he says, take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth. For I have hoped... I've hoped in thy judgments. He says in verse 46, I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. I'm perfectly willing, as Pastor Brunson was, the man who was just released from the Turkish prison, I'm perfectly willing to sit down with President Trump or anybody else for that matter and pray with him, talk to him, and tell him about the Lord. It doesn't bother me a bit to think of talking to people like that. Ruth and I have had the privilege over the years to talk to some some fairly important people. And I don't mind, I say the same thing to them as I would say to you. Trust the Lord and do good. Do the right thing. We have liberty in every single situation. Paul said in 2 Timothy, the word of God is not bound. 
You can't constrain it. You can't tie it up. It's not your pet dog. It's more like a roaring lion. More like a roaring lion, as we sang about this morning, actually. The Word of God is not bound, and the Word will accomplish what it sets out to do. Folks, we have an irresistible force, and there aren't any immovable objects out there. We have an irresistible force, and that is the Word of God. It sets us free. It sets us on the path to meditate and to pray and to ask the Lord for the answers to every single situation. Everyone. I don't know, frankly, what Ruth and I are going to be doing in the next few years. For that matter, I don't know if we're going to keep on living. We have health issues. Yes, we do. But you know what? That's all right. I don't worry from day to day. The only thing I worry about, if I worry at all, and Ruth would probably tell you I don't, is am I doing what the Lord wants me to do on this particular day? That is the only thing I'm concerned about. You say, you're a poor planner. No, no, I'm not. I just trust the Lord, walk through the doors that he opens for me, and what else do I need to do? Folks, you and I have only one job, and that is to represent the Lord well if, if we know him. Do you know Christ? Can you honestly say today if I died, I would go to be with the Lord? I challenge you on that issue. I challenge every last one of you. If you don't know the truth, if you're not sure that you're trusting the Lord, that if you died today and you'd go to heaven, you need to see me. Maramojas, the Swahili would say, which means immediately. You need to see me or see one of the, the deacons here. You need to. Because that's the most important thing in your life and, for that matter, in your eternity as well. It is. But if you do know the Lord, you're free to serve Him. You're free from yourself. You're free from all the external things that would happen. You're free to pray. You're free to meditate. And you are free to talk to people about what you know. Say, I don't know very much. Well, start studying. Start studying. Get in the book. It's as simple as that. You say, well, I'm ignorant. I don't, I, I don't know anything. Can you read? You're ahead of a lot of people in Africa and Asia, if you can. You need to get yourself in the book. But you need to understand the book, and that starts with knowing Christ as your personal Savior. Do you know him? If you do, praise the Lord. If you don't, see me, see the deacons, see even Leonard. He'd be glad to help you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the time that we have. We recognize that the psalmist saw great freedom in knowing the Lord. He was in a wide place with all kinds of opportunities. And he wanted to take advantage of them. So help us, our Father. We're in a much larger place even. We've got the world at our fingertips. And nothing but to tell them with the good news that Christ saves. So help us, our Father, to understand and know these things and walk in them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You going to help me down? Getting old is no fun. <clears throat> One more thing I would like to say. <clears throat> I'd like to meet with the deacons right after the morning worship service over in the library. It's important that we talk just a few minutes. <clears throat> now, if you take your hymn book and turn with me to hymn number 385, Take My Life and Let It Be. Will you stand with me as we sing together? 385. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my hand and let them move at the impulse of Thy love, at the impulse of Thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift. 
Father, as we come to the close of this service, we thank you for the privilege again. But now, Father, we pray that we would take this message with us, not let us here in the building, but take it with us and apply it to our lives. We thank you for our brother. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to use him and his wife in whatever ministry you would have them. Again, we thank you, Father, for, your privilege, for the privilege and opportunity, and we'd be careful to give you the praise, for it's in Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen.